If you would please turn with me to a couple of openings. We'll do just a little bit of review. Really to get the most out of today, it would have helped if you'd heard yesterday. We'll review just a little bit for you. 1 Timothy 6 and James 4. 1 Timothy 6 and James 4. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17 says, As for the rich in this world, who's he talking to? Huh? Rich in this world means rich with stuff in this world. Who is that? That's me. Right? As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, everything in your life does not have to have some great, huge purpose. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, you know, they think they're real spiritual because they say, well, well, what do you need that for? I mean, what, does, what benefit does that do for the kingdom? Everything doesn't have to have a big, huge purpose. If you enjoy it, you've got scripture for having it. Amen. God's a big God. As long as it doesn't get in the way and doesn't, uh, you know, hinder you from serving Him or doesn't uh, distract you from what's important, He doesn't mind. You have a lot of stuff that the only purpose for its existence is that you enjoy. Some things you just like to look at. So there it is. Amen. Well, what good does that serve, Brother Keith? How come you got that? Well, uh, I enjoy it. And I've got scripture for it right here. (laughs) The Lord had brought this to my remembrance for the last, uh, some length of time. And he said to me, he said, my people are not taking me seriously on this. He said, most of them either read this verse, if they read it, they, they read it and they just, it doesn't register because they say it's talking to the rich. So they think, well, without saying it or without even going through a conscious effort, they don't think it applies to them. Because, you know, they, even though they shout about prosperity, it, it's never sunk in. They do not see themselves as rich because they, they look at their bills too much. And they're too aware of how small their accounts are. Huh? But I understand that that's, you don't look at your body to determine your health. Is that right? How many of the healed of the Lord do I have in here? How do you know you're healed? So when you see scriptures about healing and the healed, do you think that applies to somebody else? No, that's you. Irrespective of symptoms. Amen. Well, when you see scriptures that apply to the rich, you need to start looking at them closer. Right? Because... Now, I had a guy got so mad because I used the word rich one too many times in my message one time. He just stormed out. He caught me later outside and just lambasted me because I used the word rich. But how many remember that, that, that Paul said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, 
that you through his poverty might be made rich. rich. That's redemptive talk. It has been done. He's our substitute. He took our place. He became poor with our poverty that we might be made rich. That's just as real and just as much a part of redemption as he became sin with our sin. He became sick with our sickness. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He also became poor. Amen. Amen. So now we are the righteousness of God in Christ no matter how we feel. We are the healed of God no matter how we feel. Amen. We are the rich of God. No matter what our accounts look like. Amen. No matter, I don't care if you don't have two dimes to rub together. Jesus did become poor. Amen. So we now have become rich. Accept it. Act on it. So as the rich in this world, there's something he charges us. Do not be high-minded. Do not be high-minded. In, in um, James, if you're holding your place there, the fourth chapter, James 4 and the sixth verse says, But he gives more grace. Everybody say, More grace. He gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. In verse 10, it says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. We've been talking about humility in these uh, morning sessions. And I believe it is very pertinent, very important to where we are right now. If we want to move into the fullness of what God has for us, it is not just a good idea. It is essential. It is a requirement. Without uh, developing in humility, you cannot continue on in additional grace. God does what with the proud? He resists them. And who gets the grace? The humble. Well, if you want more grace, what has to happen? You have to become more humble. And yet, as a usual thing, your average Christian is not interested in humility. They're not interested in, the develop, in developing in humility. They've, uh, many Christians don't even know what true humility is. And they do not see the fruits of it, so they don't desire it. But when you see what it really is, and you see the results of it, and what it will open up for you, You'll hunger for it. You'll reach for it. You'll make it a priority in your life to develop in humility. It is Christ-likeness. He said, come, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. We said that humility basically means lowliness. To be low, to go low, to bow. Pride, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It means high. And not in a good sense. High-minded. Haughtiness. High. And uh, like Romans 12 tells us. That we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. You should. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you don't like yourself. Your neighbor's in trouble. You are to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You are to realize these things, but you are not to think above 
what's true about you. Pride has to do with deception and believing lies. Humility has to do with abiding in reality. There's a lot of false humility around where people are trying to be humble. That is, they are refusing the praise that they feel they really deserve. And many are actually proud of their humility. I'm telling you, there's a lot of deception here. There's a lot of false humility. That people, you know, they, they, they think, well, I did do a great job. I did get something done. I did perform wonderfully. But I'm going to be humble and not accept the praise that I know I really deserve. No, that is pride. I said, that's pride. Even though people are going, oh, no, no, it wasn't me, really. And in their mind thinking, I did do great, didn't I? But I'm going to be humble and I'm not going to accept the accolades. No, no, you're deceived. Because the reality is, if it's good... It's God. If it's bad, it's you. God doesn't author and anoint uh, flops and mistakes. That's, that's what you did on your own. But it's all, every good thing that's wrought in our life is done by the grace of God. And if that's true, then he ought to get the praise. He ought to get the glory. You're to be commended for obeying and you will be rewarded. But it wasn't by your own ability or by your own strength. We took the time yesterday. We went over some in you truths. (laughs) If you weren't here, you can ask somebody that was here about them. I don't have time to go over all of them. But it's something you need to be aware of that it is not of your own abilities. Now... I want to remind you real quickly of how God sees pride. Don't try to turn to these scriptures. I gave these yesterday, but I'm going to go over them real quickly again. How does God see pride? In Proverbs 6, 16, it says, These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, and the first one mentioned is a proud look. He hates it. It's an abomination to him. In 8.13, all all these are in Proverbs. Don't turn there. Just listen. 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, the evil way, the froward mouth do I hate, the Lord said. Strong words. 16.5, Everyone that's proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. 21.4, A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. How does God see pride? He hates it. He calls just a proud look. He calls it sin. He says it's an abomination to him. That's about as strong as you could say it. Pride is is absolutely one of the worst enemies we as Christians have. And the problem is it's always with us because it's part of the nature of our flesh. And it is so subtle We'll get into that later. The effects of pride we talked about yesterday. If you operate in pride, it says uh, 11.2 of Proverbs, when pride comes, then comes shame. Pride goes before destruction, 16.18 says. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, 15.25 says. A man's pride will bring him low. You think this happens part of the time or all the time? 
If you operate in pride, what's going to happen to you? You're going down. Not part of the time, not part of the people. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual law and spiritual principle. Jesus taught this. If a man exalts himself, what's going to happen? He's going to be abased. He's going to be brought low. What if you humble yourself, though? You will be exalted. You'll be promoted. That's the way it works every time for everybody. Now, in, in looking at these things some years ago, the Lord helped me to see that there's a whole lot more pride that, you know, most everybody's walking in than what they think for. They don't realize it. And because of the nature of what it is, it's so subtle that you need revelation to see it. And so I began some years ago, believing God to show me pride in my life. Now that's where you need to look for it, not in your brother. <laughs> and let me just warn you, as we, as this, what I'm, some of the things I'm going to share with you today are very significant. And as if you get serious about this and you begin to apply these things to yourself, you will begin to learn and identify pride. And you'll not only see it in yourself, you'll see it in other people. It'll begin, some things will just be glaringly obvious to you. But that doesn't mean that you are now Holy Ghost policeman to go around and tell everybody, ah, that's pride. Repent. Because at that moment, you're operating in some more pride. <laughs> Humility is constantly considering itself. Now, oh, I'm, the things I'm going to share with you, I uh, didn't get overnight. Over the last, I don't know, at least 15 years, every year the Lord will show me some other things. I got a running list. Of symptoms of pride. And evidences and manifestations of pride. And what I'm going to share with you is not an exhaustive list. I don't know them all. I'm still learning it myself. And I mean pride, it's subtle. I've used that word several times, but I'm telling you, it, it's sneaky. It's subtle. And a lot of times, other folks see it in you better than you do. And... Uh, the Lord has put his finger on something, and I go, that's pride. It is. And three or four months roll along, and here's something else. And you see it. And in order to grow, before you can deal with pride, you've got to see it. You've got to be able to identify it, and you've got to have enough humility that in your own life, you can put a finger on something in yourself and go, that's pride. How does God see pride? He hates it. How should you see it? And I have grown over the years, I tell you, I absolutely abhor it. I detest it. And when I see it in me, it aggravates me. And I want it out. Because it's the nature of the devil. It is not Christ-like. And the proud God knows afar off. The proud he resists. The proud don't get the grace. And I want the grace. I'm hungry for the grace. I want more grace, not less. So, I'm going to begin sharing with you and giving you these indicators of pride. Are you with me? Can you handle it? Can you deal with it? Now, we're not looking to see if this applies to our neighbor. Right? 
You don't sit and you say, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this. No, you're here. You're here. <laughs> who's here? So who's God talking to? All right. What we want to find out is how much of this ugly, stinking, hateful stuff is evident in our lives. Because before we can deal with it and get it out, we've got to see it. We've got to see it. And whether you know it or not, we've all, we're already growing in humility. Just by thinking this way. Because pride says, hey, I'm fine. I don't need this. But humility says, let me see. Maybe I do. Go with me to John, the seventh chapter. And I'll give you the first one. John chapter 7. Y'all are with me, right? You believe in God with me? I'm going to ask you a number of questions. And I don't want you to answer out loud. <laughs> and, if, and if you just keep facing forward and don't do too much while one way or another, nobody will know that this is your picture we're taking. You know, God's not interested in embarrassing anybody. And sometimes, you know, uh, the Lord will talk to you about things. And I mean, man, it just, the further it goes, it's just the stronger it gets. But if you'll just go, yes, glory to God, amen. And when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh, God, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but listen to this now. The Lord is only able to give us in correction and in instruction, what our humility and our faith can receive. It's not what we need that God's able to give us. It's what we can receive. And oftentimes, the thing that would irritate us and aggravate us and bothers the most initially, if we could receive it, had enough humility and faith to receive it, it would be the very thing that would cause us to grow and develop the quickest. If we could hear it. If we could receive it. I know as, as a minister, as, as, as we grow and as we develop and overcome problems in our own life and, and see how much it's helped us, well, you see it in other people, but a lot of times you just know you couldn't broach the subject with them. Why? It'd be the end of your friendship. You just, you can't bring it up. Why? Because they don't have the humility and they don't have the faith to hear it, to receive it. Well, that's the way the Lord is with all of us. Oh, but friend, if you can hear it, breakthroughs can happen. You can change totally. You can be a lot nicer to live with. You can instantly have more friends. Amen. You can like being around yourself better. All right, number one. Are you always speaking of yourself? In John, the seventh chapter. John 7 and verse 18, it says, are you there? 
He that speaks of himself is seeking what? His own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. We shared with you yesterday, Jesus never took credit for one sermon that he preached. He never took credit for one miracle or for one healing that happened in his ministry. Jesus didn't. He did not speak of himself. Now this has a twofold application here. You're, you're speaking from yourself as a source and you're speaking of yourself as a subject. But it all comes back to the same thing. It's you. And uh, this is the nature of the flesh. To be selfish, to be self-centered, to be self-absorbed. And uh, pride focuses in on me. And the more pride is there, the more one will be talking about themselves. They're always, even if it's supposed to be spiritual stuff, it's always my revelation. My experience. What I got in prayer. What I saw in the Word. But it's still me. Me, me. My experiences. What I have. What I've done. I, I, I. Me, me. And what it's after, it is seeking man's glory. It is seeking for you to be impressed with me. Never try to impress Just be impressive. Never. Never is is it okay to try to impress. That means you're seeking man's glory. This gets into the pride of life. I've had people come up to me before and say, you know, Brother Keith, God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Well... Why did they tell me that? Are they trying to bless me some way? Trying to minister and edify me some way? Why did they tell me that? Well, this is how God uses me, Brother Keith. Seeking some way or another for me to be impressed with them. And that's not the way it works. Boy, y'all are quiet. We just got started. Are you always speaking of yourself? I'm asking you some questions now. Don't answer out loud. Are you unhappy unless you are seen and noticed? Are you unhappy unless you are the center of attention? How do you handle being ignored? All these things will reveal your degree of pride or your degree of humility. How do you handle not being noticed? How do you handle even being ignored? Do you have to be the center of attention? Does it really bother you when people don't notice you? When they don't acknowledge you? That's your pride. Something really bothers you, really upsets you, really aggravates you. You've got to put your finger on it. Why? Why did that bother me? 
Why did that upset me? Why? And again and again, if you're honest, you'll just have to say, pride. Pride. Coupled with this is pride is not interested in others. It's not interested in their views. It's interested in making its views known. Because of that, pride is not a good listener. And pride is an interrupter. So, here's some questions. Can you show and do you show genuine interest in other people? And in what they're saying? Are you a good listener? Or do you really think that your view and what you want to say is the only thing that's important? Good listeners are not everywhere. Are they? There's a whole lot of people... Even if they even if they stop talking long enough to listen to what you want to say, they're loading their pistols behind their back for what they're going to say as soon as they can jump in. And I want you to listen carefully on this one. Interrupting is a manifestation of selfishness and pride. It is very disrespectful. Are you with me? And yet a lot of people, they're in a, in a habit of this. This is the way they live because they grew up this way at home. Mom and dad's always interrupting each other and the kids interrupted the parents and got away with it. And the kids interrupting each other and it's not okay. People say, well, that's just the way we are. We grew up, you know, shouting at each other and interrupting each other. We're just the way our family is. Well, change. It's disrespectful. When you think about it, if somebody's speaking and you can't even give them another 30 seconds to finish their sentence because what they're saying in your mind is so insignificant compared to what I've got to say, which is obviously so much more important than what you're saying, we can't let you finish the sentence. So you interrupt. And the problem with this is if you are this way with people, you are also this way with God. I'm telling you, it's a fact. You cannot just flip a switch and turn into somebody else when you start praying or start ministering. You are who you are. Right? Now, other times you may be more anointed than you are at other times, but you're no more spiritual in church than you are at home. Your, level, your degree of spirituality, that's who you are. That's what you are everywhere all the time. And the problem is, if you interrupt the Holy Ghost, he will be quiet. And let you talk. He's a gentleman. He will not impose himself on you. He will not interject his will and his way into your things if you are pushy, if you are an interrupter, if you're not a good listener, he will just let you go with your own thing and do and say what you want as long as you want and just flop and fall and mess up and pull your hair. But he will not, even though he knows exactly how to fix it, he'll not be able to tell you unless you get quiet 
unless you show him some respect. And listen. I know, uh, you, you know, people don't realize it, but they are, they're, they're blocking their own answer so many times. Something else could be said and done if they'd just be quiet. But pride is part of this. That people are thinking, you know, well, my opinions are so important. My views are so important that uh, uh, we, we, don't even, we shouldn't even wait for this person to finish their sentence. So uh, shut up, basically, and let me talk. Because what you're saying is insignificant. <laughs> and what I'm saying is superior. What is that? It's pride. It's ugly. It's stinking. Pride. Right? How many interrupters do I have in here? <laughs> You're supposed to say, not me. <laughs> it's not confession time in a bad sense. This is confession time in a good sense. Faith. Right? Show respect. Pride is not interested in others' views. It considers its views to be so superior, it's a waste of time to listen to somebody else. Pride is an interrupter. Now, also included in this, pride will not show impression. Humility will. Pride won't show impression. What is I-M-P-R-E-S-S-I-O-N? Impression. You know what impression is? That you are impressed with something. Hmm? Humility will express it. Impression. Pride won't. Pride won't. You see people do this spiritually. You see them do it naturally. And it's a real revealer of your degree of pride or humility. You know, uh, Somebody, I've seen uh, student, Bible school students, you know, they're standing around and uh, somebody got something from the Lord and they're talking about it. And the other ones uh, think it's just amazing, but they don't want to act too uh, impressed because it'll show that they didn't know this. And so when somebody's sharing some truth and they, and they go, uh, did you know that? Oh, yeah. Praise God. Yeah, that's good. And they're seeing it for the first time. Or somebody gets some, you know, uh, gets some new clothes or gets a new car or gets a new house. And, and uh, there are a lot of people that don't want to show impression. They'll even lie about it. They wanted a car like that, but they couldn't afford it. So they got the stripped down version. And they're impressed when somebody they know got that car. But they won't be honest about it. See, pride's a liar. It believes lies and it tells lies. And so it'll say, well, you know, yeah, that's great. That's good. Praise the Lord. But, you know, I really like mine. You know, those roll-up windows, uh, they're a lot more dependable. You won't have to. All that electrical stuff's going to cause you problems down the road, you know. <laughs> Liar. 
You'd have all electric stuff if you could have afforded it. And thinking and talking like that, you will not have it. You're judging yourself unworthy. You hear people talking about houses. Oh, I wouldn't want a big house like that. It's too hard to keep clean. It's just too much to, uh, to keep up. And <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. You ever heard of help? <laughs> and if somebody knows something that you didn't know, can you show impression? Can you look at them and go, wow, I never saw that. A lot of people can't. They choke on it. They'll, sit, they'll stand there in line and go, Somebody say, did you know that? And they go, yeah, yeah, that's good, ain't it? Act like, I've been walking in that for years. <laughs> Liar? <laughs> Liar? Humility can show interest and impression. Humility will make you feel like what you want to say is significant. Like what you want to say is important. One of the big ways you do that is just simply by not interrupting somebody. Because when you interrupt, you basically tell them to shut up. You didn't say it out loud, but you might as well have. And, and not, not, not in any uncertain terms. It's like saying, shut up now. <laughs> don't finish your sentence. Shut up. Because what you're saying is so useless, we don't want to hear another word of it. And on the alternative, what I'm about to say is so major that you shouldn't wait one second to hear it. That is haughtiness. But are you beginning to see what I've told you before? How, how insidious, how subtle this stuff is? How people are operating in a lot of pride and they don't see it? They're not calling it pride? And yet the Lord wouldn't warn us about these things this way if it wasn't such an issue. Is it a problem? What will pride do to you? It will cause God to resist you. It will hold you out. It will cut you off from grace. It's serious business. Pride is ugly stuff. Ugly. Let me go over it again slowly. Are you always talking about yourself? You've always got to tell people your experiences, your revelations, how God uses you, what you've done, where you've been. What you've got, et cetera, et cetera. I know there were some Bible school students talking one time. And this, uh, uh, this one guy was supposed to be testifying about all the stuff he had. But really, he just bragging. And he went on and on, on and on about all the stuff he had. And eventually, this other guy spoke up and he said, well, so what? He said, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. <laughs> it's all going to melt with fervent heat. Is that right? We brought nothing into this world. How much are we going to take out? Nothing. It's just stuff to use as tools and to enjoy here and now. But uh, no, no, no cause to, to brag. So pride's always talking about itself. And when you, when you talk about yourself... You're setting yourself up for a fall. 
in more ways than one. Let me read you some scriptures. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Who gets to praise you? Not you. Proverbs 25 says, It's not good to eat much honey or too much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. If you eat too much honey, what happens to you? You get sick at your stomach. What if you seek your own glory too much? It's nauseating. <laughs> Second Corinthians 10, 18. <laughs> Got to get y'all to laugh once in a while so you don't cry. Second Corinthians 10, 18 says, For not he that commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Self-commendation, self-promotion is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. Putting yourself forward, you don't have to hang a label around yourself. And you don't have to tell people all the time, hey, I'm of this, I'm of this, respect me. Accept my gift, I'm of this, I'm of this, I'm of this. No, uh-uh. Let your fruit talk for you. Amen? I said, let your fruit talk for you. You say, well, I'm of this, you've got to accept my gift. No, nobody has to accept your gift. And the louder you say it, the less credible it is. It's kind of like the, uh, the pear tree in the forest. Did I ever tell you the pear tree story? All right, once upon a time, <laughs> there was a pear tree in the forest. And it was in the time of year when the leaves had fallen and they had no leaves. And here are the towering evergreens are over the pine, uh, the little pear, and, uh, and they're talking about how, what they are. And I'm, a, I'm a pine, I'm a fir, I'm a this, and how tall they were and how strong they were. And the little uh, pear tree looks up and says, I'm a pear tree. And they look down, no leaves, just little sticks and twigs sticking up. They said, you're a little scrub bush, you're nothing. I'm a pear tree, really, I'm a pear tree. You're a little scrub bush. You're not. What? Should he wrangle with them all winter long or just what? Just wait till the season. Right? And when the season comes and there are big luscious pears hanging off the limbs, you don't have to put a sign up that says pear tree. (laughs) Everybody that comes by knows it's a pear tree. Why? Got pears. How would they know I'm an evangelist? You have evangelist fruit. How would they know I'm a prophet or an apostle? You'll have the fruit of it. If you don't have the fruit of it, you ain't. You may be, and understand this, a lot of times people are called to something, but they are not one yet. A call to something doesn't mean you stand in the office. It means you're called to it. If you'll be faithful in the small things, God will eventually add equipment to you. You'll stand in the place. If you're not faithful, you'll never get there. But um, speaking of yourself reveals that you are seeking your own glory according to this scripture. Did I ever tell you the story about the first flying frog? Well, once upon a time, 
in the forest, there was a, uh, the animals were having a meeting. And the bear was there. And mountain lion was there. And anteater was there. And birds were there. And crane was there. And frog was there. And they were testifying. And the mountain lion talking about how fast he was and how strong he was. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, he's fast and strong. And the bear got up and testified. And he's big and he's strong. And everybody said, yeah, man, the bear, he's, he's the cat. And he, he, he's strong. And, and the uh, uh, crane got up and testified about how she could fly. And about how, you know, she could swoop down and pick up fish and stuff. And, and uh, the frog sitting on the lily pad. And he was feeling pretty depressed because he, he couldn't think of exactly what he did. It just escaped his mind, his abilities and talents at the moment. So he was feeling pretty inferior. Well, the crane noticed him. So she came over and she, she had an idea. She said, how would you like to be the first flying frog of the forest? He said, me? She said, yeah, you. He said, how can I fly? I don't have any wings. She said, listen, I can grab a stick between my feet. And I can flap my wings up off the ground a little bit. You can jump up and hold on to this stick with your mouth. And with a few strokes, I can have you above the canopy and you can be flying. And you'll be the first frog ever to fly. Well, he liked that idea because he thought that'd give him some significance. So he said, yeah, yeah. So she gets the stick. She flaps her wing. Frog jumps up, grabs on with his mouth. And I mean, with a few strokes, they're up above the treetops. And he's holding on. And the further they flew, man, he's enjoying this. Boy, the wind's coming across him. He's seeing things he never saw before. He's having feelings he never felt before. And he's thinking this. He's thinking, you know, he's holding on with his mouth. He's thinking, oh, man, this is amazing. This is incredible. I'm, I'm flying. Then he realizes, I may be the first frog that has ever flown. I am the first flying frog of the forest. And he gets to thinking about it. Well, I must be a special frog to be the first frog to ever fly. I must be a rare frog. I must be a really special frog. I I must be an amazing frog to be the first flying frog. And he got so caught up and he said, Ah! When he opened his mouth to say I, he turned loose with what was holding him up. I said, what's the moral of that? Well, (laughs) pride goes before a fall. When you hear you talking about you, make yourself look at it honestly. Why? I didn't say every time you use the letter I and, and the pronoun me or my. I didn't say every time you use that it was pride, pride, pride. I didn't say that. But make yourself look at it. Why am I talking to them about me? Why? And a lot of times you just have to admit if you're honest, I'm trying to impress them with something. Never is that okay. Always that is wrong. People will be a lot more impressed if they find out things about you that you didn't tell them. Are you with me? That they find out that you have, have done, can do things they didn't think you could. Why? Because you didn't tell them. 
Why? Why should you tell them? And there'll be little tests all along to give you an opportunity to exercise in this, especially since you're learning more about it. I know years ago, we had had a particularly busy week. I mean, I think I had spoken almost 20 times that week. And I was feeling it. And here I am on, getting on a plane, going somewhere else to speak. And uh, Phyllis, for some reason, wasn't going with I think we got separated. She was on a different flight or something. And I came and plopped down in the back. And uh, a, a lady came in, sat down beside me. And over the course of the flight, uh, she brought up and said, uh, you know, uh, I actually I, I looked at her and uh, just in a few seconds I picked up that she was probably a Christian and probably had been in a meeting there in town. And I didn't say anything further about it, but eventually she got up to, you know, asking me some questions and uh, uh, told me what she had been. She'd been to a meeting and she was fired up. She had heard some things. She was stirred up about working for God. And that's that's great. And she said, well, uh, what do you do? And I told her, well, I, uh, well, no, I'm telling you wrong. She never asked me, never gave me a chance to tell her what I did. That's how it worked. She never asked me. But she asked me, did I go to church? I said, yeah. You're a member of a church? I said, yeah. She said, well, do you work uh, in the parking lot? And I said, no. And do you work uh, with the kids? I said, no. And she asked me much of those questions. And then she said, well, you need to get involved. <laughs> and she went into this big spill about how there's too many lazy Christians. See, what had happened, she went to the meeting and got convicted. <laughs> and uh, about not doing enough so she stirred up she's going to do something and so she wants to preach to somebody and so I mean she worked me over for 30 minutes about I, I need to get involved I need to do something for the Lord <laughs> and my head is screaming do something for the Lord I feel like I'm about to pass out now <laughs> you know, I spoke 20 times last week but see if I say that what is that? Pride. Somebody said, what would you say? Nothing. <laughs> Why? Because it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to humble myself. I just smiled and sat there in the chair. And she said, people need to be involved. I said, you're right. <laughs> you, you're sure right. People need to get involved. She said, well, you need to get involved. I said, well, I've done some things, but I'm sure I could do more. <laughs> Because if I get into detail and I try to impress her with what I have done, there's only one reason. Seeking my glory. Hmm? Do you see that you'll have little tests all along? And, and, and this is a key. I'm getting ahead a little bit. But this is a part of you developing in humility. You've got to exercise in it. And when you have opportunities, don't pass them by. Use them. Use them. Are y'all with me? All right. Here's another one. I'm going to ask you some more questions. Are you ready? Other manifestations, I'll say it like this first, of pride are, and I'll just lump, lump a bunch of these together, unnecessary secrecy and lying. 
are manifestations of pride. Coupled with this, embarrassment and being offended and being hurt are very oftentimes manifestations of pride. And, and again, there are many manifestations of this, of this thing. And, and, and the main thing today is just to begin to get an idea of the spirit of the stuff. And don't make hard and fast rules. Like I said, every time you, you say I or me doesn't automatically mean it's pride. But learn to make yourself look at it and ask yourself the question, why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? Why do I feel this way? Why am I embarrassed? Why am I hurt? Why did this bother me? And oftentimes, if you're honest, you have to admit pride. But if you can see it and you're dealing with it, you're growing. Amen. If you go month after month and don't see anything, it's because you're not trying. Because it's there. Everybody has to deal with this stuff. There is nobody that works on it real hard for a few years and then puts up the flag and says, Glory to God, I defeated pride in my life. I am pride free. No, it just won. Because now you're proud, you're pride free. Now, it's the nature of your flesh. And that's with you every day. Right? Let's go over some of this now. Pride believes lies about itself, and it's natural that it tells lies. In Ephesians, he wrote to the saints at Ephesus, and he said, lie not one to another. The implication is, you're lying, quit. In other words, why I tell somebody don't? Would you have to write to tongue-talking Christians and tell them to quit lying? He did. I have had ministers, even some fairly well known, to look me in the eye and lie to me. And it's interesting, one situation I'm thinking of right now, in the service, we had had word of knowledge, just, I mean, just operating. I had, it was operating through me. And then after the service, the, 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 the minister was talking about, man, it was great, glory to God, glory to God. And then he tells me a lie. He believes God could use me in the service, but now I, I, I can't be used here. But I knew it. I, I, did, I wasn't even trying to catch him anything. I mean, I'm just listening to him, and the Holy Ghost says, that's a lie. What he just told you is a lie. And I thought, whoa, a lie? And I, and I looked at it, and I listened, and sure enough, it was just a lie. Why would... Supposed to be a man of God, a woman of God, look you in the face, in the eye, and lie to you. Oftentimes, because of pride. Pride believes things that are untrue. Pride uh, operates in deception about itself. It tries to project and maintain a false image that is... You know, portraying that I'm something that I'm not, that I have things I don't, that I have understanding and knowledge that I don't, that I'm in a place spiritually that I'm really not. But humility will admit I am where I am. If I don't know it, I don't know it. 
If I've never been used that way, I've never been used that way. Humility will tell the truth. There are no telling how many lies have been told in the foyers of churches. Or in the parking lots. Or at Denny's or Luby's or, or whatever it is. Hmm? Now there's not a person in this place that's never told a lie. You can go ahead and get, get that straightened out. <laughs> it starts when you're young. I mean, you know, two and three years old. You hear the cookie jar rattle? Mama goes in there to check on them. Cookie jar's back home, but it's crooked. It's cocked up. Cookie crumbs all over the counter. <laughs> you look at your little one. Cookie crumbs. <laughs> Chocolate smear. You say, you been in the cookie jar? Mm-mm. No. And here the big problem is a lot of times they look so cute. Mom and daddy just laughs and they think it's so funny and it ain't. Because what they just did is the language of the devil. Did you hear me? No, you don't need to jump on them and cast the devil out. No. You don't need to talk a bunch about the devil to a little one like that. And scare them and get them all mixed up and confused. What they do need to know is this is something you do not do. This is serious business. Young man, young lady, I asked you, did you get in the cookie jar? Don't you lie to mama. You've been in the cookie jar, hadn't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you tell mama lie again, I'll tear your britches up. See, I mean, Serious. Because if it's not corrected, they're going to be lying to you at 16 about stealing money out of your purse and doing drugs and where they were at and all kind of other stuff. And there is, I, there is, there are very few things that are worse than telling a lie. It is traitorous. It is a partner to the enemy. When you tell somebody a lie, you are using the confidence that has been built up in your relationship over the days, months, years that you've been together, and you are trying to get them, because of your background and relationship, to trust and believe a lie. You're, you are counting on your relationship for the deception to work. You are a traitor. You are a betrayer. Friend, make up your mind... I do not lie. It is the language of the devil. He is the deceiver. I don't lie for any reason. Make up your mind. And we've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. I'll tell you exactly how you can break yourself from lying. You know, we, 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 we might like to think, well, you know, boy, yeah, there's probably some folk that need to hear this. No, listen. There is a lot of lying that has gone on. And people, people will tell folks stuff and they do it to impress them, to maintain a false image. And then they get off and they feel so bad about it. They think, oh man, why did I tell them that? Then, if they maintain it next time you see them, if you try to keep that up, you're going to tell them another two or three lies to back that one up and keep the thing going. And it just gets worse and worse. And what happens is you're going to get further and further from them because you don't want to take a chance on them finding out the truth. 
I'll tell you how you fix it. Good Southerns saying this, this will break you from sucking eggs. Bad dogs do that, you see. That's an old thing. I lost you on that one, I see. It'll break you, though. If it were to happen to you that you realize that you tell somebody something that's not right. And when you do in your heart, if you're halfway right with God, you know it. Your heart smites you, you know it when you tell somebody something that's not right. Immediately, make it right. Admit it. I don't care if you've already left them. You're driving away and you realize, man, what did I tell them that for? Pick up the phone, call them. Be a man, be a woman, be strong, do it. Pick up the phone, call them. Say, hey, you know, friend, yeah, you know that thing I was just talking to you about? Yeah, uh, that was a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I don't know what, I got carried away or something. I, that's not right. Let me tell you what you don't do. Don't explain it. Don't try to justify it. Write this down. Don't ruin an apology with an excuse. Don't ruin a perfectly good apology with an excuse. People do it all the time. Well, you, you know, I, yeah, I said it, but you know, I, that's not what I really meant. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it was the circumstances. They were saying this, and, and I thought they meant this. Now you're telling another lie. Hmm? Don't ruin a good apology with an excuse. What'd you do? I lied to you. I'm sorry. Period. Don't, don't add stuff to it. Don't explain it. Don't, don't water it because you're, you're defeating the whole purpose of this. This is an exercise in humility. If you don't, you just keep on. People are going to find out and it's going to undermine their trust in you, their confidence in you. Somebody say, well, if I tell them I lied to them, it'll undermine their confidence. No, they know themselves that they have told a lie. And that they probably didn't have the strength to do what you just did. Now, if you have to tell them every other day, well, they probably will lose confidence in you. <laughs> Say it out loud. I do not lie. I, not lie. I, tell I tell the truth. No matter, no matter how it makes me look how it makes or how it makes me feel. I love, I love the truth above all. See, people oftentimes lie to prevent embarrassment. And in the world, it's accepted. People will find out, well, you know, so-and-so lied. Well, yeah, but they were just embarrassed. So what they're implying is, well, you know, it was okay. They were just embarrassed. It's not okay ever to betray confidence by trying to convince somebody of something that's true because of their trust in you as a friend. This is what the devil does. Every morning when we wake up, the devil is trying to convince us of something that's not true. Don't get on his side. Don't let him use you. Embarrassment oftentimes is an indicator of pride. 
Let's say, you know, I've seen this. Somebody is, uh, two, two different situations I'm thinking of. Somebody wanted to prepare a nice meal. So, man, they've gone all out. I mean, they went and they bought the stuff and they've been preparing. They've been working on this thing for a day or two and just hours and hours and hours. And lo and behold, uh, the cake fell. And the souffle flopped. And this went wrong. I've seen people just, just throw stuff down and just cry and just run in the room and shut the door. And the guests are there and they go, well, where, where's so-and-so? Well, and, and then they tell a lie and try to make it, you know. Why? Why would you feel so embarrassed? Why? No. What would humility do? Pride runs and cries. Hmm? Anybody ever run and cry? Don't lift your hand. <laughs> runs and cries. What will humility do? Humility will come to the door where the guests are with flour on your face and, and a burnt spoon in your hand and say, Guys, I'm sorry. Looks like we're not going to eat here tonight. Uh, would y'all like to go out? Well, they think I'm not a very good cook. Maybe you're not. <laughs> At least not tonight. You're not that hot. Is that right? On another day, you might be great. But, but see, pride doesn't want to admit that. Pride doesn't want you to see reality. Humility says, hey, here it is. I'm sorry. I wish it was better, but this is it. We live in a day where hospitality has dwindled down to almost nothing in some ranks. And you know one of the reasons why? Is because people like to come to church, come to work with their clothes that they got by overcharging their credit card and with their good confessions act like they are at a place of prosperity that they're not. And so they don't want people to know where I actually live and how I'm actually operating. And so they don't invite people over. They don't have fellowship they could have had because of pride. I had some people invited Phyllis and I one time for a meal they, over to their house. And... Uh, and usually, you know, we, we're busy and don't have time. On this particular occasion, the Lord led me, led us to, to do something with them. So uh, about a week or so after we accepted, the guy came to me with his wife. And he said, Brother Keith, he said, uh, he said maybe we can just go out somewhere. Because he said, if you come over, I'm going to have to buy all new furniture. His wife poked him. He said, I'm sorry. <laughs> he let the cat out of the bag. Why? Why you got to buy new living room furniture? Well, this has got a cut on it, and and, and the kids spilled some of this on, on, the, on the other arm. Well, I've seen kids before. <laughs> I've seen rips and tears and, and stains. You are where you are, right? Maybe you'd like to be in a different place, but if you believe God, you'll get there. But right now, don't lie. Don't try to deceive. Admit it. I know uh, my grandparents, 
You know, they had a uh, one, two, three, I guess it was just a four-room house, not four-bedroom, four-room outside bathroom. You know, I know what I'm talking about. And uh, yet, they would invite 20 people over to spend the night. <laughs> and it was not a problem. You know, people would come over and my grandpa would say, uh, come on in and eat such as it is. You're welcome to it. Such as it is. And not embarrassed because we didn't have, you know, they didn't have ten different courses. One of his sayings was, peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) But such as it is, you're welcome to it. People come over and got five kids. Somebody else come over and they got four. You got 15 people in here. They can't even hardly move around this little bitty place. Y'all all spend the night. Where? They stack them like cordwood on the floor. Pallets everywhere. Couldn't get up in the night, you step on somebody. And now, a lot of people are too embarrassed to even have somebody come over for a meal because I don't have certain china. It's ridiculous. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's trying to come to church and work in other places and present a facade. Present that I am at a place of prosperity and you're not. You're not. Embarrassment oftentimes is a manifestation of pride. Lying, secrecy. See, people don't, you know, they, they're always keeping these secrets. They won't tell you about this. They won't tell you about the other. Why? They don't want you to know the truth. They're trying to impress you. They're trying to uh, have you see them in a different light than what they really are. And it is work maintaining this facade. It will wear you out. You ever heard people say, man, I'll be so glad when I can get home and just let down my hair and be myself. Well, who are you being the rest of the time? <laughs> you can be comfortable out and about too. How much you can be yourself out and about? Hallelujah. Can you handle another one or two before we, before we close today? <laughs> um. Maybe I can give you two more here. Another one, manifestation of pride, is anger. Anger and strife is for sure, they know, uh, can be, I should say, uh, strife for sure, but uh, anger oftentimes, manifestation of pride. In Proverbs 13.10, you don't have to go there, but Proverbs 13.10 tells us that only by pride comes contention. You show me some contention and strife, I'll show you some pride. Some, somewhere. Because if both folk were trying to be humble and walk in love, you wouldn't have it. Both parties. Contention and strife. Do you understand that strife is the manifest presence of the enemy? 
somebody or somebody's are yielding to the enemy? Can you sense strife in the air? Sure you can. Phyllis and I, a lot of times, we, we go into a church, we go into a home, go into a place, and just, uh, you know, we're not there just a few minutes, and when we're alone, we say, boy, there's been some strife around here. You can just sense it. It's in the atmosphere. How, you know, the enemy cannot just come in and cause problems. Somebody's got to yield. Right? And only by pride comes contention, this verse says. Pride, like we said, is not a good listener. Pride insists on forcing its own way and its own view. Whereas humility is a good listener. And if you operate, begin to operate in humility, you open yourself up for the wisdom of God to solve the problem. Anybody remember in James, the wisdom that is from above is what? First pure, then what? Peaceable, gentle. Are you listening to these things? Gentle. Easy to be entreated. Did you hear that? That's meek. That's, that's humble. Well, the, he just got through talking about strife and envy and every evil work. Well, you see, pride is in that. And the devil is in that. That doesn't make any difference if it's husband and wife, or if it's problems on the job, or if it's problems in the church. Humility coupled with faith will be quiet and pray and believe God and be pleasant and be nice and listen and try to find points of agreement instead of points of disagreement. Looking for the wisdom to handle the situation, it will be pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated. Humility is open for you to talk to me about it. Willing to look at something, even if I don't think you're right. Humility will cause me to be willing to look at it, genuinely. Even if, my, if in my mind I'm sure you're wrong, humility will cause me to listen to you and look at it seriously. I've had people before that wanted to corner me about something, and they just talk and talk and go on and go on and go on, and I'm going, uh-huh, yeah, I see. And so they, they really feel like they're making good progress, so they say, so you agree? And I said, no. But you said, you said, I understand what you're saying. So you agree? No. At least not on that. But like what Brother Hagin has said, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Right? We can have a good heart, have a good attitude, because if, even though I don't agree with you on something, that don't mean that we can't, we can't be friends, we can't fellowship. We, I mean, dear, dear me, no. Let's emphasize what we do agree on, what we do have in common. The scripture goes on to say in Philippians 2, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. No strife. No vainglory. I'll read you another one or two. 21-24 says, proud and haughty scorner is his name who deals in proud wrath. Everybody say, proud wrath. Doesn't sound good, does it? You want to stay away from that. Avoid it. 
stay out of it. 28.25 of Proverbs. Proverbs 28.25. He that is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Stirs up strife. Who are the people that are causing strife? Huh? Proud people. Who are the ones that are stirring it up? Pride. Watch out for anger. The Bible says be angry and what? Sin not. Have you ever gotten angry before? Well, there any, now I didn't say every time that anybody got angry, it was 100% pride. I didn't say that. Don't make me say that. But oftentimes, it is a manifestation of pride. How are you going to know? Look at it. And make yourself answer the question, why am I so hot about this? Why? Make yourself. Don't let yourself get away. I mean, grab yourself by the ear and pull yourself to the mirror and say, now, now, why is this bothering you, boy? Why? And if you'll be honest, you'll see it. Then you have to go, huh. <laughs> pride. Pride. You hate pride, don't you? I hate pride. You hate it in you. I hate it in me. We're not going to act like this. I know some people took us out to a, a meal one time. And again, they wanted it to be nice. They had made plans, and really probably they didn't have the money they shouldn't have probably been spending, you know, unless God really told them to do it. Sometimes people try to make a big show and act like they're beyond there. Well, they're dressed up, and it's a nice place. Well, the waiter made some mistakes. He got my order wrong, and then he got close to the table, and he stumbled and spilled some stuff. Well, I mean, they were already hot because he got my order wrong. I didn't care. I didn't care. I mean, I looked at it. I said, well, that looks pretty good, too. I'll just take that. Great. You know, love is always considering the other person. How, if you were in the waiter's shoes, huh? how would you like for the person to be dealing with you? Hmm? I've worked with the public before. Have you? And I mean, people who can be something. And uh, especially after a long day, maybe you got four or five cases in a row. And then somebody else wants to chew on you. And and a lot of these people, some of these people are not even saved. I mean, they're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And what we need to realize is we're not just witnesses to people by preaching to them, but how we treat them. How they need to realize there was something different about us. Why? The way we treated them, how gentle we were, our peace, the kind of tip we left them. I mean, that, that's going to speak volumes to them. If we never say anything about being a Christian, they're going to know, boy, something's different about them. I like them. I'd like to be like them. You want them to think that way even before they know you're a Christian. But this person, this bothered them. And then when they came up and tripped and they spilled some stuff and it almost got me. You know, they, they spilled some stuff. I mean, they jumped up. Man, they threw down their napkin. They were indignant. And I guess they're doing this for my benefit. I don't know. But they just, oh, they were so angry. And, and you know, I know a number of Christians that are this way and they feel justified in it. And I don't know why. They're demanding. They're, un, you know, they're intolerant. And yet, how can you make right out of this when it's contrary to the fruit of the Spirit? How can you? They'll chew on people, demand, require, get indignant 
if they're not treated a certain way, and some way or another they feel like I'm justified because I'm a child of God, because I'm a man of God, I should be treated a certain way, da 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 you're full of pride. It's what it is. And it's not okay. And it cannot be justified by spirituality. Well, my, my, I have a prophetic anointing, and it's that boldness, and that's just the way I am. It just comes, don't, 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 don't. You're just carnal and won't admit it. You're just rude. Did you hear me? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do that. But a lot of times, anger, being indignant, is because I should have been treated better. Don't you know who this is we have with us? What are you doing? Made the person feel terrible. Now, I don't know what they had in mind that they were trying to impress me with, but I was not impressed. All I saw was carnality. And what you always got to remember, I don't care where you're at, what's going on, the number one thing that is the most important is people. People. Forget your occasion. People. When all of this is long gone and forgotten, these souls live on. What does God care most about? People. So how you treat them is the most important thing that's going to happen in your day. So your plans didn't go quite right. See, a lot of times your plan was pride. Because really what you wanted was for it to all click so wonderful until people came in and to you and said, My, you planned all that? You cooked all that? Man, you want them to be impressed with you. Your organizational skills. Your contacts, your abilities, your talents, your seeking your own glory. And a lot of times, that's why they flop. And it should be an eye-opener, and it should be a test, an opportunity to exercise some humility. Right? To go, well, I shouldn't have been that bent on that anyway. And when you just get miffed, and you get upset, and you get embarrassed, and you want to run to your room and cry and slam the door, you, got, you better get in the mirror and go, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Well, I burnt the souffle. Well, souffles come and go. What? Uh, what's wrong with you? I searched all over town, and I finally found the dress that I wanted, and I walk in, and somebody's got one just like it. They sit down beside me. <laughs> Whew. Anger. Anger. Why did that make you so mad? Why did that aggravate you? I have seen people just act like heathens over parking places and seats and you name it. Are you with me? Why? Well, I deserve this. Said who? Is it really true that when you walk in the room, the music is supposed to stop? (laughs) And everybody's supposed to turn around and go, they're here. (laughs) 
I'm telling you, the the Lord will allow some things here and there for you to check up on yourself. Hmm? And I don't care who you are. None of us have arrived at total Christ-like perfection. We're growing. And you got flesh. And you need to be willing to, to come in anywhere and be totally unnoticed, unrecognized, and unappreciated and still be happy. Can you do it? Well, bless God, I worked at this company for 23 years. I deserve at least a little. No, whoa, 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 wait. Who said? Who said? Go with me to Luke 17. Hallelujah. Can you take just a few more minutes? Now, I got quite a bit more. (laughs) But we won't try to do it all today. Everybody said out loud, I love truth. I, love truth. I, hate, lies. I hate lies. I love humility. I love humility. It's the Lord's character. It's the Lord's character. I, hate I hate pride. It's the devil's character. The devil's character. Do you mean that? Yes. Luke 17, are you there? Verse 7. He says, which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him by and by when he's come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say to him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward you shall eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. I don't think so. So likewise you... Who's he talking to? Us. When you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, this is what you say. You say, we are unprofitable servants. Now that that doesn't mean you don't get any benefit out of it. It means we didn't do it for profit. And we're servants and we have just done that which was our duty to do. We just did what we should have done. Now get the picture. He says a man's got a servant. Servant's been out in the field all day working hard. He said, when the servant comes in from the field, will he say to him, well, go in there and get you something to eat. You've been working hard all day. Will he not rather say to him, well, there you are. Come fix something for me to eat. And when I'm through, then you can. So that don't seem right to me. He's a servant. And he said, when he's done all these things, will he thank him? What's the answer? No. So what's the, what's the understanding of this? So likewise you, Jesus said, when you have done all the things that you're told to do, you're to have this mentality. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not doing it for profit. I just did what I was supposed to do. I have a philosophy I operate by. When it comes to people doing things for me, And that is, expect nothing. Appreciate everything. And the moment you let yourself get into an area where you're expecting that they do this or that, you need to correct yourself. 
I don't care how long you get, you're in the ministry. don't care how long God uses you or blesses you. makes no difference. Never let yourself get to the place where you expect people to do things for you. Because what happens is people get to where they're not even grateful anymore. They just expect, well, that's what you should have done. And, and that's the wrong side of it. There are people that won't pass you a pencil without holding on to the other end of it. Could you pass me that pencil, please? They pass it, and they look at you like, and there's something you want to tell me? Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. This has touched my day. Thank you. <laughs> you and you see people all the time. They, they tear up and they go, well, I, I don't ask for much. I mean, is, is a simple thank you too much? I mean, I work hard. I do everything I know to do. It's just, it's just a simple thank you. Too much to ask? Yes. Yes. If you're asking for anything, you want payment and you're a hireling. And you're not giving. You understand it's wrong to give an offering and expect something in return for it. I'm talking about from them. Expect a return, but from God, but but not from them. You know, you know, you're not no strings. Right? It's wrong to put strings on it. I mean, if you put strings on it, it is not a gift. You're trying to buy something. And people do in the church all the time. There are people that serve. They'll serve sometimes without pay, but they want something. They want acknowledgement. Huh? And if you don't call them up on the platform and thank them and tell everybody what they've done pretty regularly, they'll quit you. Why? They're hirelings. They want their pay. Their pay is acknowledgement and attention. Oh, but when you got the right heart, you can be happy behind the scene. Amen. You can be happy when people don't see you. When they don't know you did it. Why? Because you know the Lord knows. And he keeps good books. He is not forgetful concerning anything, everything that you've done as unto him. Well, I don't ask for much. Just a simple thank you. you you asking too much. Make yourself. I, I'm talking about everything. I, I don't like it. Now, you know, I, I don't say much about this, and I try to go along and not cause a problem. But I don't like it when people get so stuck on days. Well, it's my birthday. Bless God, the presents better flow. Well, yeah, but it's this. Yeah, but it's that day. It's the other day. Well, it's all right to do things for people and honor them, and that, that's great and fine, but it's not okay for you to expect it and get indignant if it's not done just when and just how you wanted it to be. It's pride. It's selfishness. I said, that's going over real good. <laughs> that includes all days. It includes Christmas, it includes your birthday, it includes your anniversary, it includes Mother's Day and Father's Day and all those days. Don't you, don't you sit in the house and pout because you think somebody forgot you. Hmm? You're hurt. Your feelings are hurt. Why? Because of your pride. Well, I'm their mother. Least they could do is call. Would you want to call you right now? 
Let me make a very, very significant statement to you. You cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. This is a very significant statement. You cannot be gracious to one who feels they deserve it. This includes the Lord himself. You cannot come to him and tell him that you've been a good Christian and he ought to heal you. Well, I've been faithful in church, Lord. You ought to give me some money. That's not going to work. You're, you're, you're telling him you've earned something. You've merited something. You've got to come before the Lord and tell him, Lord, I don't deserve anything by my works. But because of what you've done, I know you've already given it to me. By your grace. Undeserved. That's why I told you previously, I don't like this phrase, deserve. Well, you've worked hard, you deserve it. No, that's, that's deception. That's, that's some pride in that. No, God is gracious. Amen? He pays you more than you're worth. Does any, can anybody testify? He pays you more than you're worth. Hey, if, if he wanted to find a reason, you know, some technicality why you ought not be blessed, he wouldn't have to look hard. Right? He's not looking for that. He's looking for ways to bless you in spite of your failings and shortcomings. And thank God he does. He's so merciful. He's so gracious. So don't ever bring up this deserved stuff. And what I've done and how, you know, I ought to get this and I ought to get that. No, you don't want to talk about what you ought to get by your works. You want to talk about what you got by his grace in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures. Stand up with me. I've I've said quite enough today. Stand up. (laughs) Hallelujah. I got more, but you know. (laughs) Woo. I'm telling you, these things to me are some of the most precious things in my personal life because it has helped me. I'm telling you, it's helped me. Do you want more grace? How do you get more grace? God gives His grace to the humble. So, how do we get it? You identify the pride in your life. You've got to be able to say, this is pride. And admit it. Now see, there's a lot of you, you've gone years. Years. And never once through those years did you say, that's pride in me. Not one time. Which means what? You've just been yielding to pride. But if you get on this and you decide, I'm, I'm, I detest this, I despise this ugly pride. God hates it and so do I. And so I refuse to yield to it. Say it out loud if you, if you want to. If you don't, don't. Say it out loud. Father God, Father God show, me show me in my own life, my own life. Pride. pride. Help me to see it. To learn the ways of pride, how it talks, how it acts, how it responds. You hate it, and so do I. Help me to see it. Grant me grace to deal with it at any time, day or night. Alert me. Show me. Put your finger on it. 
and I'll respond. And I'll push it aside. I'll cast it aside. I'll reject it. And teach me of the Master who is meek and lowly of heart. I am becoming more like Him. I'll become a lot more like Him in the immediate future to your glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.